I am interested in the illusion of reality. Those are the words of Robert Altman, Hollywood's maverick on the inside. They say Altman breaks rules, he destabilizes norms. He's socially conscious, he's saying something, at least something more than the platter that is ordinarily offered up. Getting started late, age 44, didn't impede this bear of a man from his work. Forty features, thereabouts, from the smeared, dropsical and darkly funny MASH to, well, Popeye, Gosford Park, and the persona-like art drama of three women, the complex legacy that does complex things. So it's really helpful that we have a special guest with us today, Blue Hunt, an Altman absolutist. Together we're going to look at the lyrically lovely yet dark noir of The Long Goodbye, but also The Player, 1992, film set in Hollywood, about Hollywood, about America, the usual stuff, done very differently, and some other bits in between. Welcome, Blue. Hello, Ralph, as ever. Um, but Blue, you're you're like a long-term. For, you you suggested this. You you brought up you brought up Altman. Um, you were just talking a moment yeah. ago very eloquently about Altman. Can you basically say all that good shit again? <laughs> Why are you like Altman? <laughs> Why, what kind of got you into Altman? Why he's a a lodestar for you? Yeah, he he believes. I think, and you see it in his movies that you have to accept that. Like, like in life, you you're you're on both sides of the coin as like a human. Like, you're the bad guy and the good guy, and you're at the center of everything. And he kind of like I I was listening to him talk, and he was saying that um, like he could you can only pull off satire, and he can only make a satire with the understanding that he's uh, at the butt of the joke, that he's in the center of it. Otherwise, what you're making is just propaganda. Like if, if you're not challenging yourself as a person as a director and then like thus challenging the audience to like accept you know um their flaws then then you're just like selling ideas instead of you know making an impression which i think is again like that's something i love about his movies is they're very they're like impressions they don't even feel like movies they feel like like a wave of like feeling and tone and and then somehow he manages to say something tangible like also yeah something sticks to the wall almost Mm -hmm. of this yeah because it's when i first the first altman i saw was only like last week or whatever uh (laughs) was the long goodbye you know a film that is hazy and and muddy and Texturally, texturally it's quite muddy and the sound and we'll talk a lot about his sound later I'm sure you know his his people o- overlapping voices conversations that you can't quite hear it's a feeling and an effect um, mm-hmm. which is really powerful and it's, it's, it's things seem non-incidental that are happening you know him feeding his cat at the beginning is this huge drama almost but not at the same time um, what about you Ralph you, you, um, you've done Altman before right or are you new I can't remember yeah so I mean, I, I watched Mash and Gusted Park w- w- when I was much younger, and then um, a few months ago, I did Three Women, and then this past few week, I just ran through them like McCabe, Mrs. Miller, Nashville, California Split, Long Goodbye. Uh, we, we did we did together. Um, I guess what's and then I just watched this documentary called Altman, made in 2014, which is slightly gimmicky but but very useful, informative uh, retrospective on his career. Um, I guess what's really interesting to me is thinking uh, a lot about like his relationship to actors because it's 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 it's, uh-huh. it's spoken about very clearly that he is like an actor's director. You can tell from the way that certain actors reoccur in in his work, and the, you know people like Shelley Duvall and Elliot Gould, yeah. whose performances just grow and develop and evolve through his works in this beautiful, sensitive way. But also the way that. Um, bit players like Jeff Goldblum and Rich D. Grant kind of pop up and kind of steal the show for the few moments that they're on screen. Um, so I guess, I mean, it's funny. He's an actor's director. He's also an everything director. I mean, his kind of yeah. use of his use of landscape, mise-en-scene is kind of extraordinary, his sense of place. Um, it's all very human, I guess. But I, I mean, I guess thinking about an actor's director, we know directors who aren't actors' directors. We know, you know, people like Bresson who kind of refuse the idea of, of, of any kind of acting practice in cinema. Um, but what does it, yeah, what does it mean for you, Blue, as an actor? What does when you hear about Altman, when you hear him articulate his craft, um, does it does it um, ring ring bells for you? 
Yeah, I mean, I like that he's an actor's director in the sense of kind of respecting the craft of acting and really believing that it's a talent. Maybe not necessarily like that. He believes that like everyone in the making of a movie has a job, that like his job as a director is to translate something, to to convince people of something and to translate what the actors are doing, to translate what the cinematographer is doing. And he somehow has the gift to be able to do that. And like, and he gives the actor a lot of freedom. Like there's a lot of improvising. Um, yep. It's interesting that actually, because he doesn't, his movies aren't like, um, like he doesn't really care about the script very much or like the dialogue like he he doesn't really stick to it i don't even think he's written a lot of his own movies even though he started off as a writer he did yeah he started so he it's funny in that document again this is all fresh knowledge but he came to filmmaking uh not he didn't go to film school right he he learned to film in an industrial film studio that made kind of infomercials and uh you know government films and things like that he i think he literally said his his cousin told him that oh you were you would make a good writer because your letters are good literally your your letters from the war or whatever are good so he wrote a script the script was accepted that became his first writing credit he was then you know sort of fell into directing through a kind of very technical and i suppose what would have been a very collaborative process because he was learning having to learn on the job almost because he knew nothing formally about directing and i think that's kind of his strength because he hasn't got an ivory tower academic approach to mm you know directing uh his films i hate to use this word because it can kind of be misleading but collaborative um and you do see it again yeah he went in a fight i'm just looking at his wikipedia they've done that weird thing with a table where they've sort of put right they put the columns writer and producer oh, the and red put, and yes, green no no yes, no, no, no yes oh, yes yeah. and he went through long phases of not writing and then writing mm. again and then not writing similar yeah. with producing yep. i think it depended a huge amount on the production company yeah like when he was working with fox he was writing and producing everything and then went with MGM not so much it's um, funny how for for how how successful he became for a guy that in a way fucked up so much not necessarily intentionally but was you know when he was an outsider looking in from Hollywood and became an insider you know working for Fox and MGM he was fired quite a lot he was um uh, again, from the documentary, he was fired from one kind of relatively schlocky production, sci-fi production, because the producer, you know, looked at the rushes and was looking at the footage and was like, oh, you know, he's fucked the dialogue up because the actors are all talking over each other at once. Fire this man immediately. Um, you know, he <laughs> Which became his signature style. Became his signature style, right? So but he's the, in a isn't way... Isn't that the most Hollywood thing, though, to be an outsider mm. and an insider all at once? Like, almost oh, all yeah. Hollywood films are about outsiders. And, like, every, yeah. os- every film that wins <laughs> yeah. an Oscar is about an outsider, and it's always this idea that it's the outsider that, that wins. Um, which, which is what I think is so interesting about the player, because he's not an outsider at all. Like, yeah. he's quite literally an insider. You're constantly aware, I mean, very much so in the player, which like, it's yeah. literally like, this is a movie, this is a movie, this is a movie. Mm-hmm. It's like a movie becoming a movie becoming a movie. Um, but even in his others, there's like this weird meta sense that you get. And I don't know if that's the colors or kind of like the, like you were saying, the muddiness, like the flatness of it. Mm-hmm. But there's always this like sense of distance where like, yeah. like you feel like the outsider as the audience and everyone in the movie feels like yeah well like i mean they often don't in feel the... outside of something no and it's weird you know in in the player his shot choice you've got a camera sitting outside of a building and it's shooting through the window and we're observing a meeting there's a plant in the way there's a shoulder we can kind of hear the dialogue of the conversation you know it's not the conventional setup where we would be you know it's an eight-minute shot. Yeah. And someone refers to the whole thing. Someone refers to the opening scene of Touch of Evil, which is like four minutes. Yeah, um, that's the all-time. And then, and then Altman, while referencing that shot, then does does better than Wells. <laughs> <laughs> the Wells shot length, is so cinematic, though. That Wells shot and Touch of Evil well, is so cinematic. And this is and isn't at the same time. Yeah, it's like... it isn't cinematic in that he's like making fun of being cinematic while actually being incredibly cinematic Mm. which is it's that perfect it's the attitude that i love and it's like the 
the attitude of like American filmmaking or like subversive American filmmaking that's so good, which is like this kind of we're stuck in like a kind of a studio system. We have um, these like really strict like uh, structures, and then he just goes in there and he's not like making fun of it to the point where, again where he keeps himself at the center of knowing he's a part of the joke. Like yeah. there's this thing about Altman where he's like. Yeah, like, these are all things to be critical of, um, and it's all this weird game that we all play, and I hate it, and it's gross, and it's silly, and there must be a better way to do it, but uh, I still, like, would love to win an Oscar, and, like, I want to <laughs> yeah. be a part of Hollywood. And, yeah, he's still and made think, films, you know? He- exactly. And there's, like, a lot of interviews of him where, like, people are like, well, how can you make this movie and about hate, hating the the idea of making movies and he's actually i saw this interesting thing which again is why i think the player translates really well still today and it gives you this mm. kind of eerie feeling where he talks about like how he uses hollywood as a way to just talk not it's not actually about hollywood at all he just uses hollywood which is something everyone knows so well to mm. talk about like the culture in in general of like a society that really looks up to like our heroes are business mm. or especially at the time our heroes are businessmen our heroes mm. are like people that are very greedy and you know he was really he really foreshadowed something there but he does the same with nashville and the country scene right in in nashville he uses <clears throat> this kind of microcosm this one weekend where all these events are coming together a political rally and a, and a festival of, of, of music again something like long goodbye um you know we know precious little about the characters their motivations the backstory all the things that you know normally propel a plot forward become unimportant elliot gould's pi character it's unimportant who he is the convention in a noir film is that the pi is a disgraced cop or cop who gave up being a policeman because this is a cliche gave up being a policeman because the force was too corrupt and he's a good guy and he's got a heart of gold it implies those things but it never tells us that it kind of shows it. Instead, it, it, as it were, wastes its time on showing him feeding his cat. <laughs> Elliot Gould's character is kind of indifferent in a way. He's kind of not even the kind of dry, um, you know, hard-drinking PI that we know from cliche again. He's kind of a bit indifferent to this world. You know, he kind of bounces around between it, even though it, he's the protagonist. Um, the I mean, that's an amazing kind of cre- creative yeah, yeah, lesson, right? If you want to see a character's true self, like, mm. you know... Show them, show them feeding their cat. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah. you don't need them yeah. to sit on the couch and talk about their part. You could just mm. have them feed a cat. Well, it's walk. crazy because when I think of the long goodbye, like that's still what I remember is I remember him in the grocery store looking for cat food. Or I just remember <laughs> like the woman. I mean, I mean, that's too. It's like when you put like striking animals into a movie, it's like they say like, you could be watching like uh, one of the like a great play on stage, and if a cat walks on stage, that's not oh, supposed yeah. to be like every you know. Animals are the best actors because they don't yeah, like, work. completely naturalistic. Yeah. Yeah, um, like the dog. I love the dog in A Long Goodbye. Like the woman and the dog. Mm. The image of her with that bit. It's like a big black, Dane, Great Dane or something, or yeah. no, a Doberman. I think it's what a better embodiment of the black dog of depression that haunts that house than a literal <laughs> fucking black dog? Because sometimes he can be quite on the nose. Speaking of on the nose, like I, I, I want to do a bit just in case listeners haven't seen it. Like I want to do mm. a bit of a deep dive on the on the plot of the player because I think it's a really yeah. amazing, mm-hmm. intricate thing. Like it's a film about a movie exec who receives these poison pen postcards threatening his life uh, from an anonymous screenwriter who he has kind of passed over, snubbed. Um, and he gets it, he arranges to meet the person who he thinks is this screenwriter uh, at a screening of The Bicycle Thieves, classic. Mm-hmm. He's sort of, he's kind of trying to identify with this outsider figure who's into, you know, different films from Europe. Um, and he ends up getting into an, arg- in, into an argument with them outside, which ends uh, very violently with him uh, killing this man. Um, and then he realizes, you know, what he's done and kind of tries to hide the evidence and rushes off. Um, and then this story of the ki- of the killing of the, the mysterious death of this scorned screenwriter becomes 
this legend that sort of rushes through the industry while he's kind of sitting at desks, you know, fielding various power struggles in the boardroom. Um, and his conscience is kind of burning. I mean, there's some bits that are almost cartoonish how like do- dogged he is by, by his, oh his kind of guilt and grief. Um, but then, of course, um, it turns out that he, he kind of got, got the wrong guy and these postcards keep appearing. Um, and there's this price on his head that keeps expanding. There's an amazing scene in a police station uh, where uh, with with Whoopi Goldberg as as one mm. of the detectives, um, where various different things. There's a fly being swatted by one of the colleagues. Um, there's just a conversation about some tampons being being taken. Uh, various sort of distractions while he's be- you know it's one of those classic things you don't know whether you're being you know. Um, asked for evidence or, or questioned or you know accused and um and gradually you know the the kind of circle closes in on him mm. uh and and but meanwhile he's he's fielding all these kind of movie ideas from various people including which d grant's character who proposes an idea about someone on <laughs> yeah. death row which then ends up being made with bruce willis uh, it's an awful, this, this awful performance just... by Richard E. Grant, but brilliant at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> As English people, we have to be ashamed of Richard E. Grant. That's <laughs> just, that's, it's just our sort we of love him. We obligation. Love him. Um, but uh, but yeah. Anyway, so to, to cut a long story short, this um, I guess the, the best encapsulation of it is like is the final. Oh, and he also falls in love with the widow of the guy he killed. Of course, um, of course he does. Yeah. Just, a, just a side note. Um, that's pretty. I mean, that's pretty crucial. Also, yeah. So the the basic ending is this kind of this blackmail threat that's made in the form of a movie pitch, where this man says, "Yes, I've got an idea. It's a it's a movie exec who's um, who's killed someone, and uh, and no one knows." Um, but you know there could be a happy ending, and this idea of the happy ending constantly being forced on things—the oh, yeah. Richard E. Grant idea—get mm. you know he sort of says it's not going to have a happy ending, it's not going to have any stars, and <laughs> he sort of gladly takes the happy ending and the stars <laughs> when he realizes it's financially advantageous. Because it's it's funny again because these uh, these yeah again these these are in a way quite stereotype performances caricatures you know the the cold widow you know the uh, the kind of manipulative movie exec the. Uh, social climbing uh, exiled Englishman filmmaker there's all these you know kind of characters who fill these certain roles and they do it with a plumb like they really do it meets all the criteria of, of the formal film that this is trying to be but transcends all them because it's got just a deep weirdness about it everything is uneasy mm-hmm. and I hate to like again I don't think he's that similar to Lynch I don't but there's a kind of similarity, something like Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive is a much more obviously uneasy film. This is this, this film is a lot lighter, but there's a similar kind of bubbling uneasiness that kind of runs throughout all yeah. of it. Yeah, you know, Mulholland Drive is really like if you took the player and if you if you like watched the player a lot and went to bed at night and had like some crazy ass <laughs> dream where you were in the player, but everything was weird and mm, you it's kind of the player plus three women. Yeah, it, it actually <laughs> yeah. really is. Which three women? Like, I actually just watched that like last like last year, and I was really blown away. I was yeah. just like, it was never what I expected it to be. Like, I couldn't believe that he had made something so mm. ethereal and so dreamlike, and also just like so so Bergman. Yeah, what did he say? He said, "There's a quote of his. I think it's I just read it on Wikipedia or something." Um, that they are they're empty vessels in empty places. Um, that's what the movie is about. And I was like, wow. It's so interesting that he can jump from these these things because I I recommend everyone listening to this new to if you want to fuck your mind up and you're in a rut or you're just having a weird day or you're flat and you're not really feeling anything. I want you to watch the trailer of Popeye on YouTube. <laughs> and it's an awful transfer. It. It blew my mind in just, it's just so fucking bizarre. It's so deeply weird. Robin Williams playing a, almost like a two-dimensional cardboard cutout translation of the film. Uh, you know, imagine someone, it would be fucking Zack Snyder that would make like Popeye now, but it would be dark. Oh but this is, you know, oh this is God. like, this is like just such a bizarre fantasy. And you go from that um, to something like, three women started watching earlier it's great again this kind of ethereal dream uh nature you've got these traditional uh, you've got mash you know a kind of dark and black comedy anti-war comedy you've got he he works on so many registers and they're kind mm-hmm. of all identifiably 
Portman, but actually kind of it's to his service that they're also not <laughs> you know i had no idea yeah. i'd watch you know I, I i didn't couldn't connect the dots between these films in a way and that's actually a good thing yeah, it's I think. strange because it almost feels like all of his characters like exist just very much like lynch and like a lot of great directors like it feels like his characters live all in one universe together but in different <laughs> like like just in different versions or worlds within mm-hmm. that universe or something yeah. like yeah, it does yeah. kind of all merge together like i could see you know tim robbins like going to gamble and running into the guys from california split and that wouldn't yeah. feel <laughs> weird and then i could see you know shelly duvall from three women like hitting on them trying to get laid you know <laughs> yeah. like, it, it's i would love to see this mashup but, uh, like, but a lot of his great. films were mashups yes. right like short yeah. i mean i haven't seen shortcuts <laughs> but but um nashville definitely has this, mm. this these parallel storylines running i mean it's part yeah. of the sound design uh, that we that we gestured to earlier mm-hmm. um his sound design style is cacophonous i mean he apparently innovated mm-hmm. this this recording style you know instead of having the boom one boom dangling between everyone's head he sort of had these this eight track recorder where he was um picking up you know sound from various different spots in the room and yeah. mixing it um and it does capture this very like unfocused thing mm-hmm. and then so, and he plays with that i mean there's an amazing bit in california yeah. split where these people are where there's loads of loads and loads of voices all at once and then suddenly they all kind of rise up into one um uh one they're, they're singing in unison or chanting in unison um and so it's just good. it's beautiful the way he plays with that with that polyphony i'm trying to i'm trying to figure out because yeah there's this muddiness there is a, 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 a indecision there's a kind of on, uh, loss of focus is what I would call it actually because we're used to a cinema that's very focused and very sharp and very clear and, and declares Especially without aesthetics. Yeah, but here, you know, you've got something where often the camera's in the middle distance or you've got a long shot. We've got very slow, careful zooms that don't really reveal everything. Um, they're very careful, very patient zooms. Then sometimes there might just be a sudden kind of handheld shot that tracks up to a certain part of the screen and zooms in in an unsteady kind of way it's like looking it is like looking it's one of the few Mm -hmm. directors who really capture the kind of the chaos of of sensory overload without making a visually crazy wacky film because they're quite normal environments it's like looking around a room quickly and trying to get your bearings and deciding where to look and the camera's on the journey with you when you're staring around and he always knows exactly where to cut into like you know like he somehow just knows where when you're looking around the room trying to figure out where to look where you mm. would look and the thing, yeah, every, the thing you would every focus time on, yeah. it cuts you're just like yeah that's that's what i i didn't know i wanted to see that next but that that's what i wanted he like knows mm. when to give you like relief like yeah. especially in california split like he knows exactly when to play a song you know when to quiet everything and to put put the soundtrack on and like relax you for a moment and like he's it's like i feel like so many filmmakers now make movies about things Mm. or make movies to do something to the audience or Mm. to be something and it's like earlier filmmakers who especially in like american like cinema like were really exploring making a movie be the thing like Mm, exactly without trying to torture an audience like or something like that like even he kind of talked about like he's very very he loves jazz um, and he was very inspired by jazz, you know, obviously. And he talked about wanting how for a long time he wanted to make a movie about jazz because he loves jazz so much. And then he realized, like, why don't I just make my movies be jazz? The free association, yeah. Yeah, you can't explore something by making something about it. You can only explore mm, yeah. something by making the thing the thing what it is like absolutely yeah it's like what's his freaking name the damien chappelle director guy making the movie about the guy who was like la la land or the the whiplash like stuff like that it's like this director who loves jazz and so he makes movies about jazz and then it doesn't relay anything (laughs) 
we're strongly <laughs> against aboutness on this podcast. We I, really I, are. It, it goes, I am. Goes, yeah. I, I am. You have to live your truth like, with the film. Yeah, and even like with the player, like he's a bad guy, but we we really like him, and mm. I think well, he's people, a perfect product. Modern audiences, especially in America, are really afraid to. L- to relate to the bad character. Mm. Like, anti-heroes are becoming, like, anti-anti-heroes who are ultimately good, and people don't watch bad people centered as central characters in movies anymore, and I think that's made us lose our humanity, because I think that's it's that's so very true. Again, you know that thing where he says that's why I mentioned it at the very top of the episode. You know the, the illusion of reality. The formally, these films are arranged like real life, real looking, real observation, real real point of view. It's still an illusion um, because it is a film, like you said. But it's it's aware mm-hmm. that it's a film. It's it's filminess is very at the centre of what we're seeing. So it's that careful interplay between something that's really staged and curated and something that's chaos you know which is what real life is i mean i'm talking from a very like, limited perspective because again i've only seen two and three quarters of you know his films you know yeah, i haven't I'm, seen like shortcuts i haven't seen m- macabre mrs miller I I, there's a lot i haven't seen of his that i need to so i mean there's so <laughs> many films by him. 40, <laughs> yeah. 40 fucking films I, I mean i grew up on popeye but i never would have known that was like a robert altman movie you know and now Absolutely that i know not, it it yeah. just makes it better i love it I think it's, <laughs> yeah. it's so good and and mm. watching interviews of his it's interesting like every inter- interview after popeye was made everyone talks about it how bad it was and how bad it was for his career and he's like he's like uh no movie's ever made more money for me than popeye and yeah people it it made so much money apparently really it's so uh, bizarre because yeah it's it's something again like i was saying earlier it's something so almost unsettling about popeye you know it's it's a little creepy yeah watching it when i was a little kid like and being like what like this is weird yeah this it's is not the it's kids. not it's not like <laughs> it's not robin williams like the genie you know all kind of softness no. and kindness he's like almost this you know robotic turk he's like this kind of strange <laughs> machine-like figure who's two-dimensional and really has no facial expressions it apes the tricks from comic books you know kind of the the arm winding up to punch and he's mm-hmm. kind of almost kind of almost schlocky bad quality special effects um, and, and it's incredible that you know it's still from what I saw pretty well made it's just really fucking weird um, which is so cool I mean and Harry Nelson did the did the soundtrack I think oh, like really? the the song that Shelley Duvall sings I think was that was Harry Nelson which I think is so cool too like it's very it's very American weird you know like mm. like almost psychedelic but like not it's, it's strange yeah actually it's like uh, a kind of cleaned up Zabriskie Point or like Zabriskie Point but uh, seen from an actual kind of insider even though you know uh, Alton was kind of an outsider he still like we said understood the Hollywood system was part of it uh, I mean that's what's kind of what I, I, I feel like is really coming out of this is like the um you know it's like the master's tools will dismantle them or maybe the dismantling isn't that necessary but like the tools Mm. like using i think this is especially with film like we talk about this on this podcast quite a lot like you know like the male gaze and film and all that film is such a like because it requires so much industry it's like necessarily quite a conservative medium in a lot of ways um with a small c um and and yet like yeah it's it can be sometimes the most subversive thing to use all of those tools and all those conventions and then you know put a a, put a spanner in the works as Mm. as directors like Hortman do and I guess yeah. that's that's sort of a yeah. factor. I mean, in the the player, literally, common in this kind of quite Almodovar way of using metaphor to express metaphor. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the camera, the gun, the penis. You know, yeah. Um, like it uses it uses the structures of film and the industry of film to talk about film and therefore to talk about life. Actually, exactly. Mm. I mean, film movies are, and it's what why I think it's the 
the ultimate art form ever is because it, it is like it's sometimes I think constantly like what came first like movies or or life like in everything <laughs> we do is is becoming more and yeah. more and more a reflection of movies I, th- I think mm. we we we've become lost in the images uh, that we see in movies um it's true it's how we learn to fall in love exactly yeah. like yeah. Like love was created by movies and and 100%. even even like arguments. Like I, I'll realize the way I'm arguing is it, I'm like, why am I being like cinematic about this? Like, is this even how <laughs> yeah. I feel right You're now? You're waiting for like, the crescendo. You're waiting for the. I mean, I'm an actress, but yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's weird because um, I think we we do we wait we've cre- we've turned our lives into plot lines like a mm. bit, and I think the player, you know. But I think I think you know the things he does that kind of alienate and distance us. Like again, the muddy voices, the lack of clarity. Um, in like a Brechtian sense, that might be a, 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 an art form that is trying to uh, alienate and reject us from its workings and its mechanics. Here, it's actually pulling you in. He's generous. You know, Blue said, you know, he still gives us these moments of relief. He gives us comic relief. Um, he's sympathetic to the audience because he wants to change the formula of what works in a say hollywood film and play around with it but he still feels his value in it like you said he still knows that movies make our lives we identify with characters in them he just doesn't want to do it in a lazy way yeah the other thing i want to to, to explore and i'm not quite sure where, where this will lead but um i'm really They're struck gone. by friendship in altman's films um i mm. feel like i mean it's really obvious in california split which is a film about a friendship that emerges at the start of the film oh, and, kind a friendship. Of, and kind of yeah <laughs> kind of ends <laughs> it ends at the end um i mean three women is about the most fiery uh friendship you could imagine um mm-hmm. mash is all about uh, friends friendship bonding uh in, mm-hmm. a, in a very high intensity situation yeah. Um, but even the, the long goodbye, long like, goodbye is about yeah, I mean, exactly, yeah. like the yeah. sort of relationship between um, uh, Gould's character and Gould the, and the, his uh, friend who kills himself or his murders. Exactly. Well, uh, well, uh, by the end, yeah. <laughs> spoiler, uh, so spoiler that. Um, <laughs> no, we're but yeah, the, guys, the sensitivity um, to all those relationships in Altman's films, I find really extraordinary and moving, and actually quite rare. Even like for any director, art house or Hollywood, like mm. it just seems to be. It, there's a real. Even with even like in California Split, where the characters hadn't met, had, weren't you know don't have a backstory, the the focus on bonds. I mean, the shot that really just sticks out to me is, you know, they've both they've both been beaten up, Gould and and, and the, the the guy he meets, I can't remember his name in California Split, mm. and they're just applying like cream to each other's chest. They're both topless and they're both applying cream yeah, to each other's chest. Clip, I think. And it's, um, I mean, you know, we can we can wrap it on about things being homoerotic, but I mean, it's very intimate. You well, know. <laughs> it is. Even Three Women is very homoerotic, I think. Like, I mean, they're, like, I understand that they're all kind of, like, extensions of each other in, the, in Three Women. Mm, like, yeah. the women, um, <clears throat> they're, it's very, like, psychological and, like, Freudian and stuff. Mm. But there is something that's very uh, sexual, I think, about, the way that the the three women interact with each other um and yeah. i think in california split what i've seen this this uh, my understanding is the sex isn't sexy in him it's kind of everything else that is interestingly enough in, in the player even he feels i actually I, when i watched the player for the first time i immediately which is the first time i've ever done it i immediately watched the commentary after i finished it oh great idea i love people who watch the commentary <laughs> now i'm pretty into them and i listen to them more but he's just so nice to listen to he's Altman, such Altman. a nice person to yeah. hear yeah. speak about movies he's got yeah he's got a kind of mm-hmm. um friendly accessible you know kind of like a vuncular kind of thing he's like a kind of father almost I, i'm projecting massively here but a kind of father <laughs> figure what does he say? but he he says that um that the the girlfriend or the wife or whatever to the the dad writer is like she's not real at all like she's basically just a fictitious like almost like a manic pixie dream girl before that mm-hmm. was even a thing like <laughs> yeah. altman was like she's 
she just completely morphs into whatever uh, Tim Robbins' character needs, like, or wants. Mm. Like, she is just there to... Improbably. For him. She, yeah. she is yeah. a plot device. Like, she doesn't really exist. And even when they have sex, like, it's not sexy. Like, it's... Uh. It, he films it in these weird close-ups with, like, weird cuts that's, mm. like, mm. over the top. And, and it almost reminds me of, like, The Room. Like, a bit, <laughs> you know, where it's just, like, a little... It's just unsexy, but... His character seems feels asexual. Like yeah, yeah, his character right. doesn't feel even, like he. Yeah, even with like Gould's character in Long Goodbye, um, you know, he, in a way, there is the suggestion of a sexual relationship with the the wife of the writer. There's a closeness, but again, he doesn't seem particularly interested in that. He seems more like a confidant. Um, and the women across the way. The women, yeah, I was going to say, like the, the hippies across like, oh, the God, way. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're like radiating sex and he's mm. just like, no, thank you. Can you get us some brownie mix? <laughs> okay, girls. <laughs> it's just, there's something, yeah, there's something very kind of like um, disillusioned with it in a way there's like a disillusionment there which is like so he's the a friend zone director <laughs> friend zone director but he was a real party he was a real party animal like yeah um you know altman had a lot of friends um loved to host he was you know he was a real kind of like he wasn't just like this this lone wolf sniping from the sidelines you know he knew everyone he was kind of in the mix you know he was uh, when you watch interviews with him he's like confident you know he's like i said he's friendly and he's got this kind of avuncular manner but you know he's kind of confident and he's he's kind of he's a bit of a gadfly in a way um which is why he's so likable that's why i like him yeah he's like the kind of guy who makes movies about whatever he feels like making them about mm. and i don't think he cares about be like about the movie being good like being successful yeah, yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. kind of like i ha i want i need to make this i got to translate something i have these incredible actors here i'm gonna let them tell the story and i'm just here directing it like yeah, that's yeah. what a director does like sometimes you almost give directors too much credit or we give you know it's like directors are just supposed to direct the players mm. in in on the set and obviously there are some directors who are like no like this is my vision this is my movie <laughs> this is my thing yeah. this is my property but a movie like i mean i all i've ever done is work on sets and a mm. movie is it's a collaboration like you can't have a movie without carpenters you can't have a movie okay. without makeup artists you can't you know it's like he in a director needs to direct all those people and he just does that so giving what so he just really gives himself yeah i want yeah i think there's a there's a sense of in my mind maybe this is a false equivalence or it's a false false opposition but i was like you could take someone like orson wells who was kind of a an outsider in the kind of lone wolf sense of the word and wells worked through smoke and mirrors in his own life and kind of um was a difficult character and was you know felt felt spurned by hollywood that's why he struggled to make films in the latter part of his life had a similar kind of big man avuncular attitude but they're poles apart you know where well wells was wounded psychologically wounded by hollywood um you know altman seemed to just kind of like you said, but maybe because he kind of got people understood that it was a collaborative venture um, and respected people's decisions, managed to become a, you know, a fucking, well, maybe like the, the greatest Hollywood success story, even, which is funny when we talk about him in in language, we couch it in terms, it's like he was an outsider, he destabilized Hollywood's norms, he kind of broke the rules, uh, he rejected Hollywood. And he's like, he's actually one of Hollywood's biggest victories but they didn't they didn't reward him did they no but he really i found i find it really interesting like he he was very like a studio picture director like mm. he made movies for hollywood like but i i think he was almost too old and ahead of his time i think he missed the wave of indie filmmaking and i think mm. he had a lot of indie film art film ideals but was already stuck in like the studio world and like yeah. which is something i i can relate to as an actor like i started working on studio things network things before i ever had a chance to like start 
small in the art world and you can't really step back you can't make your way make your way backwards it's really difficult and i don't especially at that time where i don't even think that was really a thing and um but i think he was trying to make art films as a studio director i don't think he was necessarily (laughs) trying to like push anybody's buttons Mm -hmm. i don't think he existed in a film industry yet that allowed like at that time they still called them personal films (laughs) like when you wanted to make a movie that wasn't uh like the kind of movies that they were wanting. Mm. If you had an idea, like I want to make a movie about this, they called that a personal film. Like, like a, oh, a you project, have to make you know. these movies for us and then you can have your personal film. Yeah. Yeah. And I mm. but in a weird way, those restraints are what made his movies so incredible. Mm. Like if he mm. hadn't have had those restraints, if he had existed in a different time or been a little bit younger, who knows, you know? But he was really inspired by like old Hall. I think he watched everything, but I do remember in an interview of his, him saying that like, he really liked um, early, early Hollywood, like all those movies he watched as young as a younger man. And, um, and he talks a lot about like movies at the time still being um, just a transition of theater. Which I think you mm. see specifically in American films, oh, which maybe, oh, it, and, mm. and I think people don't realize that in American like cinema, it's like we had to transition from the theater into movies, and for a long time, movies were just a different version of plays, yeah. and a you play know, with musicals the camera in front of it. are just yeah. like really two dimensional. The acting, um, it's interesting that his movies are so very theatrical very set like you can definitely tell that he believed his movies at the time were still an extension of of the play of mm. like yeah the locations are, are, are very memorable like the the the, the motel in in three women is mm-hmm. just like that you could do that as a play on the, oh, on the totally. set that looked like that um and but in a sense he also was very film the acting the was acting so was film very subtle very film yeah absolutely and he uses sound and 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 the the landscape of the frame uh in these these new and very cinematic ways uh, and and yeah but he, yeah the 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 focus on acting um which 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 one associates sometimes with a hangover from theater mm. yeah i mean he's he's handled that that move moving exceptionally well and still um, and still understands little cathartic quirks of film you know there's one the ending again spoilers which i love i love a spoiler the ending of the long goodbye when Elliot Gould's characters, as it were, you know, uh, bested his enemy. He's killed the man yeah. who set this whole train of events <laughs> in motion. We see that with the camera kind of lingers behind and we see him kind of walking off in the distance. It's a great shot where the, the, the co-conspirator drives past him, uh, which is great. She doesn't yet realise, mm-hmm. there's a bit of dramatic irony because she doesn't realise yet that he's dead. And Elliot Gould kind of just kind of literally does a kind of Gene Kelly style skip in the street, yeah. you know? It's great. It's, it's such it's a perfect cinema- cinematic moment. Um, and he gives us both. Well, we can have our cake and eat it with him. 100%. Yeah. It's interesting that you, because I wanted to talk about the ending to The Long Goodbye in relation to... Um, well, another, you know, one of my top tenors, controversially so, I feel like, so everyone's like, what? It's like <laughs> Funny Games by, you know, Michael Haneke. A great, everyone's oh, like, great oh, of, of all of them, <laughs> it's going to be that one, you know? And, and I think it gets almost overlooked because it's the kind of movie you watch when you're younger and you're like, whoa, oh my God, what? Oh my God, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, actually, they have very similar endings, which is what I, why I love Robert Altman and why I love specifically, and I do like everything by Michael Haneke for the most part, Mm. Um, but why I love that one the most is the, there's just something so, uh, the way that Elliot Gould walks up to him, shoots him and walks away, it's just, and it's done. Yeah, you know, it's just it's this just very bathos almost. It's just the anti-climax climax. It's, um, yeah, it's, yeah, I guess that's what Funny Games mm. does, right? It uses the conventional oh, form of, like, of, of, of yeah. the genre Hollywood film, but yeah. then using it in this brutal way that kind of yeah. undermines yeah. the spectator. And, and as a spectator, makes you complicit in the, in, in the horror that is unfolding. Uh, funny enough, when I first saw Funny Games, I was... Um, staying alone in the French countryside I'd been there for months in the depths oh of God. winter <laughs> depths of the winter oh, and there was like these 
French farmers who would kind of invade the land. They would shoot, shoot. They, they shouldn't have been shooting on the land. It's like large grounds of this, this chateau where I was staying alone. And they would kind of come onto the land because the birds would come on there and they'd shoot them in the morning. So I was completely, I'd have these nightmares where I was convinced that I'd, there'd be a home, I'd basically be killed by these farmers. So I started sleeping with a hammer like next to the bed because I was like, fuck, I just, I know they're going to break oh in and going to kill me. Oh. And then I watched fucking funny games. I was like, oh, cool. I haven't really seen much Hanukkah. I'm just going to like check out funny game. And I was just like, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm going to die in this horrible place. <laughs> it's quite, um, as, as we're, we're coming up to an hour, but um, as a sort of final mm. discussion point, um, I'd like to talk appropriately about Altman's endings um, oh, yeah. and specifically I think like um, well I mean the player's ending is, is, the player's as ending I, is so perfect so it gives good. Chills. So it gives it's chills. so neat yeah. it's, it's so yeah the neatness of this of the 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 the, the, the blackmail All of his um, are becoming so this neat. discussion about the ending yeah um, so talk but the, the 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 other endings have a funny kind of um I mean, some of this, yeah, some of his films ends in a shoot in, in a shootout. Mm -hmm. But I guess the the most fascinating endings for me are Long Goodbye and California Split, which both have these this mm -hmm. rather unplaceable melancholy to them. Mm -hmm. I mean, particularly California Split, which is oh a, my god, it uh, broke my heart it's about, kind of. Yeah, it's a film about these two men who meet through gambling. They the their people at the casino. The people at the casino think that they're working together. They're not, but then they decide to work together. Um, one of them's in huge horrible debt um, the other's quite the, the ghoul character is quite a um, happy-go-lucky mm -hmm. uh, guy with lots of irons in the fire but um, yeah by the end of it they win a huge amount and um, and the, the the character I can't remember his name he's, he's yeah, uh, not played by ghoul uh, <laughs> 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 he's not quite as, not quite as memorable as ghoul uh, but he's so but good he, though but, but he is really yeah amazing and he is he's what well, he's you know his problems appear to be solved and the money's come through but he is just absolutely a shell of a man he's kind of yeah. realizes the kind of absurdity of the whole situation mm. having won all this money oh my God. Gould, Gould kind of sort of joshes him says oh do you always take a big win this badly mm. um, and as he counts out the money he realizes this friendship is kind of is kind of done like this friendship served a particular purpose yeah. and it can't really function beyond it this is, kind of this race the until the, I, I, until having the not seen it you know like I said I love I love a spoiler mm. so how what, what's the ending <laughs> what happens they just drift apart so or? the ending is that they part ways oh, yes. and they oh. They take this so sorry. Yeah, and it's done. And mm. and I, I I love that he's like I didn't feel anything special. I think is what he says. He's like I didn't feel anything special. Like and um Oof. and he's so just when he walks away from all of them and he's just dumping all of the chips out onto the table, and then and everyone's watching him and then and Elliot Gould takes them and he's counting them out and he's being silly and goofy. And and he's just sitting there, just at the bar. And the and again, when we were talking about the camera knowing where you want to look, mm -hmm. every time they cut back to him sitting there, staring off into nothing, like at the bar alone, just thinking, it's this rare moment in a movie where I I didn't care about verbally what he was thinking at all, like not even at all, a little bit. I I just felt so much what he was feeling. Um, mm. and it was almost like I, I felt like placed in that in that moment of his it's just you know it was and just it so dark and, and it but, comes out of nowhere really yeah. because a lot of the film a lot of the film is quite odd and mm -hmm. distancing and there's some that you know it's sort of like it, bits of it are kind of like there's just weird odd bits where like they, they pretend to be police officers and go into someone's house there's sort of like weird japes they <laughs> yeah. get up to it's amazing yeah. very eerie bit where they throw their um, a horse races or greyhound race and they uh, they they see some yeah they throw oranges they see someone they don't like they throw oranges <laughs> at them it's very very that's absurd but yeah. also like yeah the kind of zeal of the gambler mm. who knows that you know thinks the that this time down. That it'll, I think that's what yeah. it catches it really captures the come down and it, and you see two different people like one person who refuses to come down and it's mm. almost yeah. pathetic yeah. and desperate and it's not funny anymore because and I think you know I feel like I, I've been both of those people and almost in the way that three women is you're there's an acceptance that they're all kinds of maybe not necessarily <coughs> real succinct characters but more mm. so like persona-esque versions of each other yeah i yeah. almost just now talking about it i feel like california split is a little like that too mm. where there's the two per different persona for blokes yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. it's like 
Owen, you have to watch it. I know. Yeah. Now you said that, I am totally. I might watch it tonight. Yeah, it's it, it's weird because again, the the empty, the hollowness. Because again, the yeah. player, the hollowness of his life. Obviously, the the ending there is different because he gets this storybook resolution, um, which is. Uh, this this happy marriage in this white picket fence yeah. house almost even though that's a pure fabrication because increasingly as the film has gone on the script has kind of absorbed the, the reality and the reality has absorbed the script um, so it, you know it, yeah. it, in a sense but he's ultimately like a deeply empty man there's a really good scene when they're having lunch and he, he kind of says we're all grown ups here we can talk about something other than like Hollywood or films and there's a pause and then they just laugh because they know it's yeah. impossible. There's nothing outside <laughs> yeah, of this. Yeah. There's nothing beyond this world. You know, it's going to destroy well, all of us. I think that's what's so resonant about it is that if you really take that movie out of the confines of Hollywood and you relay it to life, there is a feeling of being trapped in our own like echo chambers and, mm-hmm. and kind of you know and it's like sitting around at a table with whomever your friends are and being like let's talk about something else and there's nothing there. yeah. yeah it's that, that, that phrase the chattering classes mm. in, in yeah. Altman they literally are chattering <laughs> and, the, and there's this there's this kind of thing and a happy ending is the bad guys winning mm. when if you look at the Hollywood system as like the bad guys of course they want happy endings at the end of their movies because happy endings are them winning mm. again and again like they get away with murder he literally gets away with murder 100% you know and that's and i know we're not you know like getting into like discourse but <laughs> um, you know <laughs> i think that's what that's what altman really believed in was that it's like we constantly let the bad guys win we let them go when you that shot of whoopi goldberg and the detectives looking down at him from the police station just knowing the truth mm, yeah. and watching him go and just being like it's almost funny you know because yeah, yeah. it happens so much and they mm-hmm. that it's like every it's so it's interesting to me that audiences today really want happy endings still they've been convinced they want happy endings yeah to distract them from their own emptiness like and misery. There are no happy yeah. endings, yeah. really. Well, it's sort of like we, we've replaced happy endings with like righteous endings. You know? oh, Actually, yeah. you're right. Yeah, the, the rise awful. of the righteous. Yeah, you're very right. It's horrible. Um, it's like we, you know, we can't watch bad people in movies, and movies are about things now. Like they yeah. don't, they're not the thing. And movies are so bad. Now, I think I think that's America. such an important yeah. distinction. Yeah, <laughs> we agree. I'm glad you no, said it, Blue. I think, we, we found. Yeah. I think no, I think it's an important distinction. You're really right when you say no, films but movies are, in England are, are, are awful yeah. and have been for a long time. Um, but when you say I mean, where Blue, where are they good though? Actually, um, Serbia, um, parts of Romania. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Um, I mean, that's a, that's an interesting conversation uh, to have. I nowhere. I genuinely don't think. I think movies are worse now than they've. I feel like Actually, I feel like I haven't seen like a fantastic movie from the last ten. We years. all know that the best movies happen on TikTok, right, guys? <laughs> yeah, 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 oh, yeah. I mean, I just recently I was trying to write a movie review of for a promising young woman, and I wrote, mm. I was like, this is a TikTok. Like, I'm watching a TikTok. <laughs> this might as well be a TikTok, right? Like, yeah, yeah. you know, it's so bad. Um, yeah. That, yeah, I haven't seen it, but it sounds. Yeah, it's it's like the most about film I've, Just, I've heard yeah, of. Yeah, I mean, all the movies that were nominated this year at the Oscars, which the Oscars have been redundant for a long time, oh, but at God. least they were kind of silly in their redundancy, yeah. which is something Altman also was like. You know, well, when, someone asked him like, "What would you do if you won Best Director for the player?" And you get up on stage, and and Altman in the interview was like, "Well, I guess I'd get up on stage and be like, I thought the movie ended." You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's great. And he's like, um, "That's what's so funny. You have to accept that you want what you hate, and that mm. you hate what you want, and that." Yeah. And I and that's what I hate. I hate stark, mean, cold opinions because life is so. It's so hard anyway that it's yeah. so much easier to accept that you believe in everything as much as you don't believe in it. Well, I think... And, yeah. and you know... I think um, I think we were talking on the chat the other day about a film that tried to... Recent film which tried to be... Um, tried to embrace ambiguity and, and, and kind of uh, unresolvedness, which was I'm thinking of ending things. Oh yeah. Have you seen that? I actually really liked it. It was I elements did. of it. I think we argued about it a lot on the group. I I, I wasn't I a massive fan. 
But there were I'm elements really of it that were quite yeah. artful, I thought. The the, the kind mm. of long dialogues in the car were very un, almost uncinematic and very uh, kind of unimaginable mm. to see a film doing that in the moment. It's quite interesting. But I think that there was no generosity there. Um, whereas Altman it was gives a us... a brutal movie. Brutal movie, yeah. And it was brutal towards the characters. It was brutal towards they rep- what they represented. Whereas with Altman, he gives you the brutality and ambiguity. But like you said, he still gives us a way in and a way out. Uh-huh. actually he gives us well and you could see maybe the the major thing that altman gives us is like a staircase that you can walk back if films are so much about stuff now you can it doesn't mean everyone I mean, can go co- and make fucking tarkovsky uh-huh. films but maybe you can walk the ladder down you know something the cleverness intense. seems to be an issue i mm. think if, if you're going to be brutal you can't it's it's uh it's unseemly to also be clever yeah yeah, I think I think if you're going to be brutal, you have to resign from being clever. You have stupid. to go down the South Park route of just yeah, being dumb. Yeah, I think mm. I think you have to go. You know, especially like because I've been thinking, like I've been working on like writing kind of like a horror kind of thingy, nice. like a dra- more of like a drama or something. And there is this sense of like how, like where you have to make a decision at one point where it's like if I if you want to be bleak if you want to mm. make something unsettling you have to go there I think Haneke does a good job of that too 100%. where like funny games like the play which I think funny games and the player have more in common I'm really you think, you know? glad you brought up this um, association <laughs> I, I like this I like as a take I'm, 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 I'm very here yeah. for it. well even like Altman kind of talks about how the player tells you exactly what in just its opening even the opening minute it tells you how many layers of the movie there are Mm, and exactly what kind of movie you're going to watch and i think funny games does that too it's this still moment in the car and then you have like screamo metal (laughs) funny games so immediately (laughs) he sets you up like this is exactly what you're about to watch what you're about to watch is never going to be what you think it is Mm. so get ready for that you know and i think there aren't directors don't do that anymore and instead they want to they want to like surprise you and and, and twist. twist you around yeah. and fuck yeah. with you, but it doesn't work because that's that's not how like your visual recognition works no. when you're watching yeah. things. You're emotional to like you're all the cognitions going on in you. Yeah, you need to know that you're going to be messed around. With, yeah, nobody likes to be you know? treated like a fool. You know, exactly. It's, it's a yeah. paradox of, of didacticness. I mean, mm. we talked about this. I can't remember which episode it was, no, but we were talking about I May Destroy You, which is. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, Blue, but it's this, it's this BBC yeah, HBO. I saw it. HBO. Oh, okay. Yeah. What do you think? I think it... I I mean, the things that are bad about it are so obviously bad about yeah, it, yeah. and it's not... It's nothing You say that, but no one ever says anything negative about it. <laughs> I think... I think I appreciate... I think it's, like, a good... It's a better step in a direction towards trying... I think there's a lot mm. of female directors and filmmakers that are trying to talk about something that still feels very intangible Mm -hmm. um that people are trying to figure out a way to talk about that kind of issue and i think Mm -hmm. she does a better job with it than a lot of like like in contemporary right now female filmmakers have because she does have an unlikable character that isn't like true uh, actually that the, the hero bag unlikable character yeah. like she's kind of narcissistic like there's actually nothing likable about her unlikability yeah you're right yeah. She, she's Wait, very which is actually something i don't like about fleabag like mm. she's so unlikable that you love her and hate everybody else in her world yeah this is a playful rogue which is something desirable and you project onto it whereas I May Destroy yeah it's like the, the, no, the film yeah the like, TV program sucks. inches away from her it's like oh my god who, but I think you know. I, I guess my I guess the beef with I May Destroy yeah. You is that like I felt that every scene in that was like sort of so carefully morally balanced mm. to kind mm-hmm. of twist and turn us into yeah. in different ways yeah. and I was sort of like I, by the end of it I just felt like I, it was and it was weird because I, I just found it very didactic mm. but then I searched mm. I googled I May Destroy You didactic and all of the reviews were like massive voids being didactic so undidactic and it's just like because it didn't no, literally just, tell you what to think but because it, it wasn't pro rape or anti-rape people think it's like not didactic you know but it so, had that annoying you know it had again it undermined a lot of its message in the air in the final episode where it's like maybe this didn't really happen or you know it kind oh, of then it doesn't think, it doesn't commit to a reality it doesn't, yeah it doesn't commit to a reality. i think it's too i think it was too clean and it should mm. have been a movie mm. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. i think 
I think there's like almost this thing where movies, even Parasite, which I'm gonna be honest, I really like Parasite as a movie like that I can, like my, I don't watch it with my family and they're like, well, you know? Mm. But again, it's also, it's like, what, have you guys like never seen a Korean film? Like, I don't, you know what I mean? And it's like- <laughs> Yeah, it's not that atypical. It's structured like a lot of like Korean films, like, mm. um, old boy and you know for example yeah, I mean, it's got a similar like, vibe you kind of have a story with a twist and then a genre subversion mm. it's like you know it's not it's nothing new really but no. i think there's like a way who says this who's the richard deacons R roger deacons the dp the cinematographer mm. cinematographer he talks a lot about how movies are becoming a lot more beautiful and like tv <laughs> is becoming very beautiful yeah but true. in yeah, that true. they're losing any kind of like quality like they're as they get better quality they lose quality and i think we need to be more festin yeah more dogma festin you know. have you seen festin uh -uh. oh it's amazing so, so it was good. all it was it's the only good dogma 95 film oh, it's, it's shot it was, film. Yeah. yeah it was shot on like videotape and it's like about this 60th uh, this this patriarch of the family it's his 60th birthday and um and you know someone um clinks the glass and uh, and and the, his son his son you know delivers his happy birthday uh, uh this sort of happy birthday address mm -hmm. and you know within the first uh, minute or so he says you know when between the ages of uh, 7 and and 12 you know our father routinely sexually abused us <laughs> <laughs> and that's like that's the kind of how the, the rest of the film is just this this like war uh, these family uh, between these members fallout. of the family yeah it's it's extraordinary wow. and very it's amazing I it's a masterpiece it should it should be on my top 10 really it's amazing it's a masterpiece but it is a it's a dirty horrible film it's a film that, that looks nasty most of the time she looks but like, like dog shit yeah. and deals with like yeah. and deals with like nasty people mm. and has no like and leaves you with no leaves funny. you with no resolution yeah pretty much I mean, happiness is funny you know and that's what makes you sick about it well same as festin like, festin's got a I mean, anarchic joy to it it's it's kind yeah. of uh it's like what Usland was like before he got really uh, or actually maybe Lanthimos or someone like that before they Lanthimos is a really good example yeah. of someone who discovered beauty and started making beautiful films mm -hmm. that look great and then oh, they got, boring got and so boring whereas Alps Dogtooth are kind of ugly films or at least flat and bland mm -hmm. films I mean Dogtooth is really beautiful but in an interesting way there's like something like hyper cinematic about movies now that erases like any ability to connect with it. And yep, I think that's yeah, again yeah. where I May Destroy You really fails. Like it's just too, too pristine pretty, and yeah. clean and the shots yeah. are perfect and it's just like... The London it represented as well. It was trying to make London look like New York. Or something it, or yeah, like in manhattan it, it was trying to make it and it, it kind of occupied this kind of everything was just shoreditch on a sunny shoreditch day on a sunny day it was all this kind of beautiful it was very specific locations in stone and shoreditch was shot and it was lots of per at night it was perfect neon lighting and it was everyone looked fantastic you know every every space was perfect yeah. but that's tv exactly. i mean that's that's that's, the, that's how tv shows yeah. so that's what that's something film is should be resisting but like if destroy you have been done in kind of a more like altman-esque style like you know mm. of like she did a good job of portraying the narcissism of someone who's experienced trauma which i don't think anyone wants to talk about yep you know yeah, that's true uh, and i really appreciated it for that like she's just becomes so self-obsessed um yeah. and i think that's interesting but the rest of the movie is or tv show whatever yeah it's just too you know uh, mm. um that's all we can say about it really it's just too uh <laughs> but i think i think we've got to wrap it up there um yeah, yeah we could go for but hours, on but that um, note thank you so much blue yeah. for joining yeah, thank us thank you so much this has been a really great discussion i love to talk about movies we love movies yes. on this well we'll have you on again movie podcast <laughs> this is what we do everyone who's on it it's like uh it's like ring it's like a virus yeah <laughs> you know everyone seven days later <laughs> no but i think some people have probably appeared on others or like we want to yeah we want to spread spread the sickness everyone should have a podcast, everyone should have a podcast. we've all got internal monologues yeah. we know i've well. wanted to make a movie podcast for so long like i feel weird like like i'm like autistic about movies or something like if i could just Join sit the in a room with like people walking in and out of the room and just be like okay let's talk about movies you know i could just mm. do it forever and ever and ever and yeah. ever 
Um, it's a useful so way a to 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 externalize your monologues a little bit. That's why it's good. Yeah, it's yeah. better I do this when I talk, you know, out the wall. Uh, yeah. Or my cat, he doesn't <laughs> want to hear it. <laughs> real Elliot Gould over there talking to yeah. his cat. Are we talking about Long Goodbye, no. the cat that doesn't appear? That's the real, That's and I'm deadly serious about this, is a one of the underlying kind of moments of abjection and emptiness about the film is that his cat has run away and it might not come back. You know, it's, mm-hmm. that's all, all I was thinking towards the end. I was like, you know, the, the whole film, it front-loaded how important this cat was to him in this kind of indifferent way. Um, and that amazing bit in the shop where he's asking the store assistant... About the food. Like, oh, like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. what, is Curry this food? Like, I can't, they haven't got the right food. Yeah. And he does this whole thing, and then he's like, but, you you know, haven't you got a cat? And he's like, no, I don't I'm need got- a cat, i got a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part. I love that. Yeah, he meets him in the prison, <laughs> it's right? It's, yeah, it just makes the whole thing, it just glosses it with even more loneliness. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, so good just perfect perfect filmmaking perfect perfect filmmaking I'm um, gonna go and watch the um, uh, California Split you know yeah, yeah. Um, you're gonna love it yeah, yeah. Um, our really Zoom hyped. is just coming to an end as All well right. perfect um, okay. so I guess that's it but yeah, yeah thank, thank you very you much I'm gonna say yeah, goodbye to the listeners thank Farewell, you for listening everybody. listeners Bye. till next time um, and yeah thank you Blue Thanks. thank you Owen Bye, cheers guys.